Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, we will speak with Sean Williams. He is our recruiting analyst at VandySports.com. We will discuss Vandy's signing hall on National Signing Day Part 2 and also hit some things addressing the football signing class, including the group signed in December as a whole. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news today is presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, please call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt's latest basketball game, which was a scheduled contest between the Commodores and Texas A&M in College Station, has been postponed due to a COVID-19 outbreak on the Texas A&M team. That makes both games the teams were supposed to play postponed by COVID. No word on a reschedule for that one. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Sean Williams, our recruiting analyst at VandySports.com, is with us today. Sean, thank you for joining us on National Signing Day Part 2, the less busy edition, but nonetheless, happenings that affect the Commodores. Thank you for joining us. Tell us the big picture view of what went on or we expect to go on today as we are doing this a little bit after 11. Yeah, part two. Part twos are never as good as part one, Chris. We know this in movies and yes. uh, and everything. So, <laughs> The Godfather uh, might be a rare yeah. exception, um, but <laughs> you know, maybe uh, maybe the Star Wars trilogy. But yes, for the most part, uh, and especially with the structure of signing day, it's just right. um, it's not all what the, it used to be. All the all the juicy stuff gets done in December now. So, uh, 
but no, uh, I pretty much just Vanderbilt's just trying to uh, kind of finish up and, and sign the guys that didn't sign in December. Obviously, that was three of them. Uh, two of them are already in the boat right now. Uh, Michael Menzi has signed this morning. He start, he uh, That announcement came pretty early. Uh, Dylan betts Polly's uh, already in. A guy that, you know, we kind of thought was on, on the fence, you know, in December about whether – you know, this new staff would take him or not, and apparently they, they decided to. So uh, that gives Vanderbilt three running backs in this class, or, well, we assume three running backs, which I'll get to that point here in just a second. But we're still waiting for C.J. Taylor to sign. He's going to sign at noon, so he's going to sign with Vanderbilt. We're not expecting him to to go anywhere else there. And then uh, later today, I think it's I think maybe it's 4:15 Central Time at 5:15. Uh, but the Patrick Smith, the running back out of New Jersey, is going to make his announcement. We expect that to be Vanderbilt as well. So that would give Vanderbilt three running backs in his classic, along with Dylan Betts, Pauly, and the the Temple running back transfer, uh, Raymond Davis. So that's kind of and then uh, I guess the other storyline that probably we won't know today will be uh, Aristotle Taylor, the new uh, defensive end target that they offered recently uh, just over the weekend, obviously kind of a late bloomer out of Michigan uh, listed at six foot eight. I don't know if he's six foot eight or not, but, uh, but uh, an intriguing story with him anyway, just because um, he didn't play football. Uh, he played football in middle school and then gave it up until this past season. And he was, a gamer. He's very much into technology. Uh, I think he won some gaming tournaments, uh, very much into computer processing and things like that. Um, and then he decided to get back into football this year. Uh, he was like, he just started out as the football manager and then he tried out, uh, looked good in practice. And then he's kind of emerged as kind of a late bloomer guy that uh, has all the physical tools. I mean, if he's not 6'8", he's, you know, maybe 6'6", at least. But 6'6", 235, 240, looks really good on film. I don't I don't know what the competition level is he's going up against. But, I mean, you get a guy that looks like that, uh, has kind of developed his body nicely. And, you know, teams are going to take flyers on him. Obviously, Vanderbilt's kind of his big power five uh, offer and that's his only power five full ride offer but he's got a lot of uh, preferred walk-on opportunities I think Stanford's the one that's kind of sticking out with him right now and I think he's trying to figure out does he want to go to Vanderbilt on a full ride or does he want to go to Stanford as a preferred walk-on so I think that's kind of the decision he's mulling over Vanderbilt got into this late so I think he just wants to take a little bit more time to you know kind of figure out what he wants to do but it seems like he's definitely leaning towards uh, the high academic, you know, uh, schools in his recruiting process. So it's just whether it's going to be Vanderbilt or whether he's going to be a preferred walk on at Stanford at this point. So don't know if a decision's going to, it's definitely not going to come today. don't know if it could come later this week. It might be one of those where it may be delayed a little bit, uh, before we know an actual answer on him. So rather than discuss further, we've got literally a dozen questions in the mailbag that cover just about everything that people would want to know. So with that, I will go to the mailbag that is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan, Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. Josh can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at Joshua Minton HQ or facebook.com forward slash JD Minton HQ. 
He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Five Star Door asks, how does this signing class compare to previous ones, the classes under Derek Mason, James Franklin, and Bobby Johnson for comparison's sake? Uh, going back to 2002, which is when Rival started ranking all these classes, it is third among Vanderbilt classes all time. Um, James Franklin had the first, the, the number one and two classes. Uh, in 2003, James Franklin's class was ranked 19th. In 2012, they were ranked 29th. So uh, 2021 comes in, or at least currently it's at, at 32. I don't know if it's going to slip down. It's probably not going to slip down or up very much. Um, so, yeah, this would be the third ranked, uh, highest ranked class in Vanderbilt, uh, at least in among rivals rankings of all time. That's not bad. No, it's not. It's frankly a miracle given the circumstances, <laughs> uh, multiple circumstances. But anyway, uh, with that, NBA door asks, should this be considered Derek Mason's last class or Clark Lee's first, or maybe we just call it Javon Hayes? <laughs> I saw that question. I like I like the last one there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would consider this Derek Mason's class because, I, you know, like I mentioned at the top, um, you know, they're filling, they're signing people in this cycle that have already been committed to Vanderbilt and they were already committed to the previous class. So, um, yeah, I definitely would consider this Derek Mason's last class. But, you know, Clark Lee's done a good job. And when you, you come into a situation like he has and you come in so late, the, the best thing you can do is just keep everybody on board you know, in terms of recruiting and then, you know, just work with those guys and, uh, you know, just kind of, I guess, maybe start fresh in your next recruiting cycle. But, you know, when you come in, that level, you just got to keep the guys that you have and, you know, just go through and, 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 you know, look at recruiting, but, uh, and be happy with those guys and try to keep them on board and then, and when work with them when you get there, but uh, to kind of mention, uh, Javon, Hey, I mean, obviously he did, he did a great job and obviously he, he's a carryover from, Mason staff that you know Clark Lee kept on and obviously has close ties to uh, from their days playing at Vanderbilt. So um, yeah, the, the the staff's done a good job, and credit to Derek Mason's previous staff. And you know most of those guys are are not on Clark Lee's staff, but they did a really good job of keeping this class intact. Uh, it was really shocked. You you mentioned it earlier, Chris. You know, kind of surprised more than anything, considering there's a coaching change they had to deal with. They kept a lot of these guys on board, um, you know, and that's a credit to the assistant coaches, Javon Hay in particular. Peter Rostamondo was another one that done a really good job with this class in terms of getting offensive linemen and and good guys and everything like that. And, and the recruiting staff as well. The, most of those recruiting staff members are not there, but Austin Everson, Eric Lommers, Corey Phillips, just to mention those guys that aren't there anymore, uh, they did a really good job just just keeping this class together in the transition to Clark Lee and his staff and and, uh, you know, they were, I think after the early signing period, they were ranked 28th, 29th, if I recall. And, uh, so, I mean, that was really good, uh, just to keep that, just to keep this class intact. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely, uh, definitely say this is Derek Mason's last class considering the uh, circumstances. Like I said, I think Aristotle Taylor's going to be kind of the only possibility of a guy that Clark Lee actually offered himself, or at least his staff did. So, um, but yeah, a really good class overall. Like I said, 32nd under the circumstances. It's the third best class in Vanderbilt's history. That's that's something to be proud of. 
Well, and a little footnote to this class. Derek Mason, I believe, made a promise on his way out he would not poach Vanderbilt recruits to Auburn. Auburn really wanted Michael Mincy from what we are told, and I think Derek did not (laughs) pursue him. So that's just something to put out there of note. I think, yeah, you bring up a good point, and I I didn't know if that was another question or something we were going to broach later, but yeah. Uh, Minty was probably kind of coming into today. I think Minty was probably the guy most Vanderbilt fans wanted, you know, in terms of, look, he got a really good linebacker. He's been committed a long time. Linebacker's a huge weakness for this team going forward. And, you know, if you get a guy like Minty, he's a guy that can maybe come in and make a make an immediate impact. And, and keeping him on board, I think, was kind of, for most part, and and, and I would I would say that would probably be a, a good, out of the three, you know, I know you got C.J. Taylor, who a lot of people like, and obviously an in-state guy that can do a lot of things. I think Vanderbilt, or at least Vanderbilt's old staff, liked him at safety, uh, DB, and the secondary. But keeping uh, keeping a guy like Mincy on board was was pretty huge. And like like you said, uh, Auburn definitely kind of wanted to at least sniff around, but uh, Derek Mason, you know, showed a lot of class and didn't want to poach kids from Vanderbilt staff. So, uh, you know, credit to him. Wilco Commodore asks, what makes Javon Hayes such a good recruiter? Uh, man, it, it's a lot of things. Uh, first off, I mean, obviously he's got, you know, I mean, he was just a, a phenomenal football player in college, played a long, lengthy NFL career. So, you know, kids, you know, when you when you have that on your resume, kids, you know, kind of, it's kind of eye-popping to kids, you know, when you talk to them, especially D. Lyman, you know, he knows how to play the game plays it at the highest level possible, but he does, he does a really good job of relating to kids, you know, and, uh, you know, when I talk to the to guys that he's recruited, I mean, they they say they talk a lot about a little bit about everything, just life and everything like that. I think Javon's also a gamer. So I think he, uh, I think he knows how to, you know, play the online gaming. So he's, he's down the lingo. I probably wouldn't want to play uh, coach Hay and, you know, uh, NFL, you know, Madden or anything like that. I think he's a pretty good gamer. So I haven't picked up the, uh, a remote uh, a con- gaming control in a long time. So, uh, but he's, he just, uh, he's got a great personality. He's very positive, uh, relates to kids and just what they're kind of into today. And, uh, like I said, I mean, he's got, he's got a phenomenal player in college and, uh, and played the NFL for a long time at the highest level. So, uh, that really gravitates towards a lot of kids. So that's what makes him a very good recruiter. Well, I'll give you a couple things. I think that, first of all, Javon is a competitor. And second of all, he works really hard. And I have known Javon, mm-hmm. oh, since 2013 or 14. I don't remember the year we did the Collins show together. We used to have a post-game Collins show after football games on the radio yeah. that he sponsored and co-hosted. So I knew Javon fairly well back several years ago. And the thing that struck me about Javon – Javon did very well for himself financially in the NFL. But Javon never just sat around and was content to let that be a thing where he just lived off the money. I mean, he he made plenty during his days uh, and and lived well, but Javon was a guy who took a lot of pride in working at something and finding the next something, whether that was being a business Mm -hmm. entrepreneur, getting into media, um, he kind of, I'm not going to say stumbled into the volunteer coaching opportunity that, that became a bigger thing, but uh, I think just it was his persistence of, of trying to find something to do. He was very adamant. He did not want to just sit around his house 
Um, you know, and, and right. I think especially being the parent of kids, uh, I think it was important to him that they see him work at something. So I think a lot of success is just showing up and doing your job and working really hard and, and being passionate about that uh, and being competitive and trying to win battles. And I think that those are the things, you know, look, Javon never had formal training as a coach, right? Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, he, he never had recruiting experience or any sort of experience at another staff to, to learn some things coming in. So Javon just sort of, I guess, has learned this all on the fly. But I think the characteristics about him personally that I know of him from knowing him are the things that really have made it work for him. Watching him, and this is back before he was an actual assistant, you know, he was just volunteering. But, I mean, he works really hard in in those camps, you know, when, when we actually could go to camps and whenever teams had camps. But, um, yeah, he works really hard. You can tell he really loves coaching kids. So that you mentioned that competitiveness and everything like that. You can tell he really loves coaching, teaching kids. Uh, really was impressed with his work during those elite camps that Vanderbilt had during the summer when we were able to go uh, watch those. Bobby two times asks, of all the kids to sign in this class, not based on rankings, who does Sean think has the biggest upside and who is the biggest risk? Does anyone in this class have a chance to play in all the games this season? Yeah, good questions. I actually wrote some of that down because it's a good three-parter. <laughs> I would say uh, just biggest upside off me, I wrote down four names. I wrote down Marcus Bradley. I know he's rated a four-star, but um, but I think he's the best defensive lineman in this class if you look at his film. Just uh, just uh, his abilities, his bend, his explosiveness off the line. Um, not just because he's ranked a four-star, but I think just – you know, uh, defensively, he's the best defensive lineman in this class. John Howes is another one. The the uh, Brentwood product, uh, I think he's going to be a a good uh, secondary option. I think it probably projects to a, a safety. But uh, I know talking to Justin Angel, Justin Angel said a lot of a lot of high school coaches said he was the best player on that team. You know, obviously he played both ways. He played wide receiver. He played. You know, in the secondary, I think he returned kicks too. But a, a lot of uh, a lot of six A praise from uh, opposing coaches on John Howells. Um, some more underrated, a couple of underrated guys I wrote down: uh, Gamari and Carter, the uh, kind of a late a late addition at uh, wide receiver. I think he might be the best wide receiver in this class if you look at his film. I mean, he's got the size too. He's six foot three, one eighty five. So that's a guy that Vanderbilt doesn't have a lot of those guys. And uh, kind of curious to see, but his film looks great. I mean, he's a guy that obviously for the size can go up and get the ball, but he shows off a lot of speed as well. So, I, like I said, I think he's the best wide receiver they signed in this class. And um, going back to defense, Miles Capers uh, rated a two-star, but I uh, really like what he can bring is kind of an outside uh, outside linebacker type player, six foot four. So he's tall, he's lengthy, he's about 215, at least on rivals. So, um, you know, definitely a, a lot of room to grow and add, add weight there, but, uh, long and, you know, can do a lot of things coming off the edge. So I really like that. Um, so those are my four guys with the biggest upside, biggest risks. I went with Quincy Skinner. He's a four-star kid, but you know, just his film, I didn't see a whole lot of explosiveness, playmaking ability in his film. It was a lot of blocking, which is great. You know, wide receivers do need to block downfield, but just didn't see a lot of explosive playmaking from his film uh, compared to Gamari and Carter's. I mean, and uh, 
I'll just say biggest risk to another wide receiver, Ezra McAllister out of Michigan. And I, I don't say that uh, – he, he showed a lot of promise in his film, but I, I, I just think just the, the, the type of players he was going up against up in Michigan, I think he plays a little lower-level football. I think it may take him a couple of years to really kind of make an impact of any kind on uh, Vanderbilt's offense. Another player I wrote down on offense, like I wrote down all offensive players here, ironically, but Dylan Betts, Polly, he signed today. Um, maybe a little bit of a slower back, but he's a bigger back too, so he could be a thumper. But uh, I wrote him down just because kind of borderline if they were going to take him to, you know, the, the new staff did take him, but he's, you know, he's the third running back they took. So I don't, you know, you got Raymond Davis, who's got already certified, uh, a producer at the college level at Temple. I mean, he was Temple's leading rusher as a freshman. Um, so you've got, you got him, you're going to add Patrick Smith later today. So, uh, you've got, you already got a lot of talent at, at the running back uh, position too. So he's going to be kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit. So those are my, uh, biggest upside, biggest risk, guys, right there. Vandy Guy 20 says, what would you say is the strongest position group in the class out of all the defensive backs who do you think could make the earliest impact? Yeah, that was a tough one for me to answer. I, uh, I wrote down D-line or defensive back, you know, just because of quantity, but quality as well, you know. Uh I think, you know, when you see, you know, the numbers here, I mean, Vanderbilt signed five D linemen. So that's something rare. You know, you don't really see a lot of uh, from Vanderbilt. They've struggled, to, they've struggled to recruit defensive linemen. And that kind of maybe goes back to our conversation about Javon Hay and, uh, you know, how good of a recruiter he is to kind of get these guys to come in. Uh, this is like the, maybe the deepest defensive line class Vanderbilt's seen in. <laughs> maybe forever but quite a long time at least since i've been covering them so uh and they got some really good dudes who mentioned marcus bradley already but terry on Sigook, he was at one point he was rated a four star but now he's like a mid three um devin lee was a good get uh kind of late in the process and jock s hunter at a, a defensive end out of baldasta he plays the plays top level football in georgia so uh it goes up against good competition. So, I, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up to me because you got DBs too. I mean, you got – you signed so many DBs and you got a lot of talent there in terms of John Howes, which you already mentioned. I mean, kind of touched on C.J. Taylor. Got a good steal late in uh, Marlon Sewell, the kid out of Alabama. I know a lot of a lot of schools were trying to come in and, and uh, take him away from Vanderbilt late there in the early signing period. So, and you got Tyson Russell that's that's already on, the, on campus too. So – uh, yeah, I think it's kind of a toss-up between D-line and DB just because of the the quantity and the quality as well. The next question comes from Conlook. Any surprises in this cycle? Uh, you know, I don't. I think we pretty much covered everything that's going to happen. I don't expect any surprises to happen. Uh, you know, I think there'll be some some spots to fill still. Uh, you know, whether that's. Uh, defensive back whether it's you know they added a linebacker or something like that through the transfer portal I think those the, the positions they have left to fill is obviously I think they'll go transfer portal on those and I don't I don't think they're going to have that many spots left but I know that's another question that you're probably going to ask and so but yeah as far as surprises like I said I think we're just kind of waiting on Aristotle Taylor to kind of see what he does you know whether that's going to be 
uh, Vanderbilt or Stanford for him. So obviously, like I said, no decision today. Uh, whether one comes this week, we don't know. So we'll just kind of continue to monitor that. But otherwise, uh, no surprises on my end that I, I can think of. In the class as a whole, they lost Jack Beck, who'd been committed when LSU came along and offered. I'm trying to remember, did they lose any other commitments in this class? Yeah, <laughs> you had to you had to ask me that because then I forgot <laughs> who the other one was. <laughs> well, yeah, the, well, I, I guess part of the point is I was amazed. I think we all were at the class they were able to put together, but the fact that they lost so few kids, because I was thinking it like, I, I know they lost Beck, but I couldn't remember who else it was. I mean, this was just ripe for a class to fall apart, right? Because – you had a bad season, you had a coaching change, you had a little bit of a gap between that guy leaving and the next guy coming in. Right. You had guys who were sought. I mean, if this was a bad class, right, then maybe you wouldn't expect as many defections because other teams wouldn't want mm-hmm. these players. That was really not the case this time. Uh, it just was remarkable in a lot of ways what they were able to pull off. And AJ Campbell was the other guy that he committed. That's right. He, uh, that's right. UCLA, the, the, line, the li- yeah, the linebacker out of Ohio, and he he ended up going to UCLA. So, yeah, but uh, I think obviously he he decommitted after after the coaching change or after they fired Mason. But obviously Beck he he decommitted before you know all that happened. I mean he just you know Beck got that dream offer from LSU and he jumped on it. So I mean. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what happened with Beck. But A.J. Campbell is really the only one that really decommitted uh, post uh, Derek Mason being fired. So, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good a good point. I mean, this is already a good class already, and just to have just two of those guys decommit. I mean, obviously, Beck was a kind of a, a huge, uh, you know, kind of a huge, you know, kind of kick to the gut. But, you know, like I said, I mean, he got that, that LSU dream offer. So, I mean, he, yeah, obviously he's going to jump on that. But yeah, to only lose like just him and and AJ Campbell, another another a linebacker. That's that's pretty big. Like I said, uh, kudos to the kudos to the staff, the previous staff for just keeping this class together. And like I said, you know, after after signing day in December, it was ranked 29th. So that that was pretty impressive. I'm going to go ahead and get the most impossible question in the mailbag out of the way. That is. <laughs> Could you rank the current staff by recruiting prowess? This one coming from NBA door. Yeah, I noticed that question, and uh, I don't think it's one I can really answer right now. I mean, just because, uh, especially if he's wanting, I guess he's wanting new staff, and I, I, I he didn't really specify. So, I, but I'm assuming that's what he wants. I mean, why would you want to know the recruiting prowess of the old staff? But, um, but I mean, early impressions are, you know, uh, pretty good. I mean, obviously they're they're. They're going. At, they're reaching out. They're offering kids that they're familiar with, and they're highly rated kids. But um, you know, they're they're getting pretty busy. Norval McKenzie was, you know, as soon as he got officially hired, you know, by Vanderbilt. I mean, he hit the ground running. Uh, you know, and was offering kids that obviously he already formed a relationship with at Louisville, and uh, you know, Jesse Minner. Uh, since he got, uh, since he's been official, he's been. Uh, He's been extending offers. I talked to Miles Pollard. He's a four-star kid out of Ravenwood uh, there in the 2022 class in-state kid. He was, I think, 
I think those DBs, of course, he's going to be coaching uh, DBs and being a defensive coordinator. But the fact that he was, you know, coached DBs for the Ravens, that's going to hit home with a lot of those kids, especially the defensive backs that he offers. So to have that kind of NFL background and uh, know he was coaching defensive backs uh, with one of the best team, best defensive teams in the NFL, I think that's going to kind of, you know, impress a lot of those uh, defensive backs that they offer in the 2022 class going forward. So. A uh, little too early to tell recruiting prowess just because, you know, you, you got Javon Hay. We know what he can do, and uh, Brechterfield's been doing a good job getting out there. But like I said, they're offering kids that they already know and have relationships with from their previous stops. So kind of a little bit too early to tell or to to rank the staff in recruiting prowess right now. So Five Star Door asks, what were the biggest holes in the roster coming into the recruiting cycle? How will this class be able to fill those weaknesses? Uh, I, I would have to say just kind of goes back to the, uh, the answer I gave in terms of, uh, you know, strongest positions, you know, uh, defensive line, defensive back. Um, you know, they, they got like five defensive linemen. I think they got six DBs. So, I mean, I think they kind of addressed those issues really good, which actually, you know, considering all the attrition and, and all the people that opted out, uh, it really kind of was good that they addressed those uh, those issues, especially in the, deep, in the secondary as well. I mean, I think that's one of their, um, that was one of the hardest hit positions in terms of attrition uh, this year. So I think they've done a, done a good job in this class of, of kind of filling those gaps and filling those holes of people that, that they lost to attrition, opt-outs and things like that or in transfers and everything. So. Ann Arbordor asks, after today's signees and what we know today about players returning, as in Chris Pierce, where are we in terms of having all available scholarships filled for next season? In other words, how much progress has Vanderbilt made in closing the attrition gap created over the last year by transfers? I looked at your scholarship chart uh, earlier, and uh, I, there's not a lot of gaps to fill. I mean, I think they've... I think they've done a good job. I don't know if you've looked at it or not, but I think you've got it at 86. Now you don't have, uh, I think Danny Clark, you still got Danny Clark in there, which I think he's in the transfer portal. So it says 85 and obviously, you know, next year is, you know, who's going to come back. I mean, obviously they can go over that limit uh, next year. So it'd be interesting to see who kind of comes back. I think we've heard some, you know, offensive linemen are going to come back. We don't have any, I don't think we have anything confirmed on that. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, just according to, and just and, and going into this signing day, I, I think they they weren't going to move on a lot of guys just because of numbers. You know, I think they're, I think they want to still add a kicker. You know, I think they're going to look at the transfer portal and maybe add uh, a kicker uh, going forward. But other than that, I, I really don't think there's going to be a lot of spots left to fill. Yeah, and to be clear, the roster chart, the scholarship chart that I did, I did that, I don't remember, a month, six weeks ago, and it was speculative. I used some principles. I think if someone had gone into the transfer portal, I did not put them on there. If someone had, quote-unquote, opted out but not gone into the portal, I left them on. There's a possibility. We'll just have to wait and see how that plays out in the spring. I don't have an official roster, but... Uh, good point. Yeah. Clark, I think, had been on there and went into the transfer portal later, so I need to go in and update that. But anyway, I, I just sort of left that out there as a framework for the possibilities, and we really don't know as we do this podcast how accurate that is. But 
You know, when spring right. practice starts, obviously we will be able to see who was out there for sure. Yeah, I don't know if they've updated their roster online, but I think it'll probably be something they update more towards when spring practice starts. So well, we'll always keep an eye on that. It's all it's always changing in in the world of football. So yes, it is. This one comes from five star door. How does the roster stack up to the rest of the SEC East? And the same for this signing class. Uh, I mean. Still, still relatively low. <laughs> I mean, in terms of a roster, I mean, like Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's, you know, they're never going to be ranked, uh, you know, among the top tier in the SEC. They're always going to be ranked toward the bottom. And, you know, they're always going to have that disadvantage. Now, you know, currently, I can kind of talk about the recruiting class a little bit more. I mean, they are ranked 12th right now. You know, according to rivals, they're ahead of Auburn and South Carolina, which obviously both of those teams have had some uh, some uh, coaching uh, transitions to work with as well. But um, but yeah, I mean Vanderbilt's always going to have that. Uh, always going to be kind of toward the bottom of SEC rankings, you know, uh, total, just because of you know they're a high academic school and they gotta they gotta recruit different type of players. So. Um, so yeah, I, I think just in terms of roster, you can probably comment on that a little bit more, Chris. <laughs> in terms of overall roster compared to SEC East teams, what do you think? Well, all we can say for sure is how it looked, okay? And I'm trying to think of who they played close in the East this year. Kentucky would have been it, and that even was a game where they mm-hmm. got a couple of garbage scores late. So, I mean, look, I, I think they're three, two and three touchdowns behind the rest of the East as we left off. Uh, we'll just right. see what difference good coaching makes. And, again, this was a tough year. Pandemic aside, this is going to be a tough year for that roster. The conditions inside that program, leadership above it was not ideal. Uh, just the, the legion of complaints that I heard privately all year was just nonstop and and – did not indicate the program was in good shape. It is in new hands. I think mm-hmm. I've said this before. Once everybody gets a fresh start under a better environment, it's hard to tell what the possibilities are because I think when everything goes bad, uh, it rubs off on everything, right? So I, yeah. I say that to say all we know is the last football we saw was a team that was nowhere near ready to compete with anybody in the East, but – we will see how some of that starts to get repaired. Yeah, uh, just to expand on that, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of work to be done by Coach Lee and his staff. And, yeah, you, there's. A, <clears throat> I think I also heard the same. A little bit of a culture change needs to happen, and and uh, the environment needs to be a lot better there. So, I mean, they have a lot of things to do. And, and you know, when players play in a, an environment that's a little, little different, you know, maybe uh, Coach Lee and his staff bring a little bit bring a little bit more of a different vibe, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But a lot, a lot of work to be done in, just in terms of roster and, and everything like that. So, Door King asks, how will Clark Lee's approach to recruiting differ from Derek Mason's? Um, Great question. I think he's going to be a lot more, you know, kind of, I guess, analytical. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be blunt. He, I hope he goes out and uh, hits all the in-state schools really hard. I think that was a uh, big detriment under Derek Mason's watch that 
he didn't have really good relationships with a lot of uh, the high schools in state. And uh, that really came back to, I wouldn't say come back to bite him. I mean, just, uh, just, uh, I think there could have been a lot more involvement with a lot of kids. You said, you, you, you know, you kind of saw them lose a lot of kids to, to schools like Duke, Wake Forest and, and uh, other places. And I think the relationship with high school in-state schools just wasn't there. So obviously Clark Lee went to NBA and, you know, Barton Simmons went to NBA too. So there's a lot of in-state ties there. And I think they'll do, hopefully like to see them do a better job of that. I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, just in terms of you just, uh, you know, backyard, you know, you got a lot of talent in your backyard there in Nashville. So they need to be on top of all those guys, especially guys that are academic, you know, uh, high level academic guys, Vanderbilt guys. And I think, I think it'd be interesting to see he's putting together a good staff. Obviously Barton's a great addition and, you know, uh, I think they're going to evaluate talent and, you know, just kind of make sure they're kind of, I guess, Vanderbilt men in a sense where they're, uh, you know, high academic guys, but they also want to uh, compete too. I mean, it's kind of a hard question to, to answer right now just because it's a new staff. But I think I think the biggest thing for me is just having better relationships with uh, in-state high school uh, coaches and programs right now. I think that was kind of a detriment under Coach Mason's watch. So that would be my number one thing. But it's hard to kind of say what the, what the strategy is going to be right now when the staff's not really complete. And, I, you know, they're offering guys that they have, you know, previous relationships with and – at their previous stop. So uh, a little bit too early for me to really give a, a great answer, but that would be my number one answer right there. The last question comes from five star door. And he asks, when it comes to offensive linemen, please rank the relative importance of a talent uh, is in rivals rankings, B position mm-hmm. coaching and C play calling. Five-star door had a lot of questions. I appreciate all that. Uh, I actually did see his question before we did this podcast, and actually I agree with the order he's got it in. Uh, and, and I'll say talent, just not necessarily in terms of rivals rankings, but just because uh, a lot of coaches, I think a lot of coaches, majority of coaches, you know, when they look at film, they're not worried about if a kid's ranked or what he's ranked or whatever. They just want to know if he, if it looks like he can compete on the level they're coaching, you know, whether he can compete in SEC, whether he can play at Vanderbilt, whether he can offensive line, whether he can block defensive linemen in the SEC. So uh, talent's always going to come first, and I think it's coaching. And then, you know, I think play calling, I agree with all – I agree with uh, one talent, two uh, coaching, three play calling. But I think think play calling kind of goes back to talent. If you got the talent – uh, I think you can adjust the different play calling styles depending on what the offensive scheme is. So uh, uh, five-star door, I agree. You have it ranked in the right order of your question. So I agree with uh, reg- agree with your question and your ranking as well. Yes, yeah, so do I. Well, that is the end of the mailbag. Sean, I want to give you the floor to talk about anything coming up at VandySports.com that you're writing. Uh, give out your Twitter handle and anything else as we close the podcast whether that be a storyline or a note that we missed somewhere or whatever you feel is appropriate. I think we hit on uh, everything. I appreciate everybody's questions. I, I got on the, uh, I got on the uh, board and, and saw that we had like about 14 entries there. So I appreciate uh, appreciate all the questions. Hopefully I answered them the best of my ability. Gave you all a little bit of info there. Uh, appreciate everybody being a part of the site. Um, of course, I've, I've been with you, Chris, for a good six years now. So uh, 
really enjoy covering recruiting for the site. And uh, I will say, um, I think a lot of the questions and the uh, there's a lot of excitement there. And you, you get excitement whenever there's a uh, coach and staff change. And I think um, Vanderbilt fans of any fans in college athletics, especially college football, I think they deserve a little bit of excitement in their lives. So <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I'm glad a, a coaching change and um, all these staff hires and stuff like that are getting people excited and, and having uh, Coach Lee kind of back at Vanderbilt. Uh, it'd be uh, it'd be fun to follow. So that that's that's always good. And I'm glad uh, glad our subs are are liking liking all of our content, liking that there's some a little bit of a new car smell going on. So they're a little bit excited and, and Vanderbilt fans definitely, uh, definitely deserve that considering the last couple of years. So uh, with that being said, just going to keep uh, following up with uh, the 2021 class. Like I said, Aristotle Taylor, well, that's a storyline we'll kind of follow going forward. Uh, obviously I, I kind of mentioned uh, they'll maybe add a transfer kicker. We'll kind of, you know, kind of sniff around, see what's going on there, but there might be a couple of transfer options, but otherwise I'm going to kind of shift the focus to 2022 and just, uh, I've kind of reached out to some of those kids already this week, some of the new offers and, and kind of keep doing that and just kind of keep a close eye on, on who all they're offering and, and, you know, who all they're kind of getting involved with early in the 2022 class. So that's some things you can kind of keep up with for me. And, uh, you can always follow our, I'll give out our Vandy sports at VandySports.com. You can follow that Twitter account. Uh, that's where we tweet out a lot of our, our content and everything. So appreciate everybody's questions and uh, love you guys. Well, Sean, we appreciate you and everything you do for us. And thank you for joining the podcast today. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. Well, thank you to our audience for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which continues to grow in size and our listener audience. We thank our sponsors, we thank those of you out there who subscribe to our website. It is $9.95 a month or $99 a year. And if you're out there listening and you haven't subscribed, uh, consider that. Please, that supports us, helps us do what we do. There's also a lot more content there than you get just on the podcast. We have started our baseball coverage for the upcoming season. Uh, we will hit every corner of that between now and opening day. And, of course, we'll have you covered there. And also be sure to like us on Apple Podcasts, give us a good rating, give us five stars if you feel we've warranted it, and some nice comments. That always helps the podcast out as well. Anyway, for Sean Williams, I am Chris Lee. Be sure and stay tuned. We should have at least one more episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast coming later this week.